31 through 35. Then after that, we'll go over to verses 6 and 9 through 75. Amen? Amen. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Jump on over to verse 6 and 9 through 75. Now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a serving girl came to him saying, you also were, were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before all of them or before before them all saying, I do not know who you are saying or know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also or you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Looked like he had an accent. Amen. Then he began to curse. And swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning, Father God, for your word, for there's power and there is healing in your word this morning. Father, I pray that as I speak, that you would give me good continuity of thought, a perfect flow in the Holy Spirit. Father God, I, I stand before you an empty vessel. And I pray that you would use me to speak these words of life. Anoint the words that flows out of my mouth. Anoint my mind. Father, that when the, the people hear this word, they will not see me. They will hear your voice speaking to them. For, Father, I have come to serve the king. And I use, Father, I position myself so that you can use me for your glory. Speak to the hearts of these people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We are in part number four, and we have been teaching on momentum. We have really been talking about the importance of having that momentum in our lives and that God wants us to be people that are always progressing, that we're always moving forward, and that we're always being blessed in whatever it is that we do. And so we have looked at various aspects of momentum and um, and we have made it very clear from the beginning of this, this series of messages that in order for us to come into the place that God wants us to be, 
it's important that we have a sense of momentum and that there are some things that we have to do individually, personally, in order to make sure that not only we get the momentum in our life, but that we keep that momentum. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of bouncing back. Bouncing back. This is this message this morning is very powerful. And I was meditating on it yesterday and I was praying, Lord, I I pray that you help me to speak it the way you want me to speak it, because there's so much in me about this. And I I just got to try to keep myself calm. But you'll understand as I go through uh, this message. But how many of you would say that you have from time to time broken a promise of God in your life? So I'm not the only one. Have, have you ever felt that perhaps you failed the Lord in such a way that God couldn't use you again? Amen. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I, I really, you know, like, you know how we put the limits on God. God, okay, this is too far. God, is, that's enough. God is not going to, God is not going to put up with you anymore. How many of you have ever felt that way? <laughs> God sent me here to tell you this morning. That he knows you, he knows what your shortcomings are, and he knows what your failures are. But he still desires to use you in an extraordinary way. It's important to all of us believe that because you're going to experience times in your life where you're going to fail. I want to make sure we, we hear that closely. Because, and, and you know, failure doesn't discriminate. Whether you're black, you're white, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Every one of us are going to find there are going to be times in our life when we're going to fail at something. But it's important to remember that failure does not mean that it's the finality of things. Because sometimes we think when we blow up, we say, oh, I done really messed up. And, and, you know, as if God got surprised when you messed up. Like God was like, oh. I didn't know that was in you. God said he knew you. He knew you before the foundations of the earth, before the earth ever came into being. God chose you. Do you hear that? He said before the foundations of the earth, I chose you. That's that baffles me. Because what that says to me is God knew because if he's the alpha and the omega, he knows all things and he know everything. He's intimately uh, knowledgeable about everything that concerns me. He even knew my failures before I did it. And what happens is sometimes when we fail, if you're not if you don't have the right attitude, you would think about giving up. Have anybody ever thought about giving up after you had a failure or. Maybe some venture you set out to do. Maybe some personal sin that you were struggling with and you kept telling God, God, I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to do it no more. And then you find yourself doing the very same thing you kept saying, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. Not a good feeling, is it? And you find yourself there, you're frustrated. And then if you're not careful, you don't handle it right. You won't pray to God like you should. Because you, you're thinking that God is somehow just mad at you or God is just uh, this cosmic bully that just uh, he just exists to make sure that you stay in line. But somehow when I read the Bible, that's not the kind of Bible that I read. That's not the kind of God who we serve. 
God understands that you're going to fail at times. God understands. He knew, as we read in the story of Peter, the apostle, and we're going to get into that a little bit here. He knew that Peter was going to, he knew everything that was in Peter. He knew what was in him. He knew what was, what Peter's weaknesses are. How many know God knows what your weaknesses are as well as he knows what your strengths are? He, he knows all that. And that should bring us great comfort. See, one of the great competitors to momentum and build a momentum in your life is failure. What do you do when you fail? Does it mean that somehow that God is just uh, done with you or perhaps what you would really believe in God for is never, ever going to happen? Does it necessarily mean that, you know, just because I I fail God in this way or something failed that God is just kind of like taking his hand of anointing off me? You know, the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that come upon you for your testing. You know, I says think it not strange because we think it's strange. How did that happen to me? I was serving God. I've been. Maybe you have. Maybe you've been doing all the right things. You got your checklist. You do your devotions. You read your Bible. You try to treat people right. (laughs) You try to pay your bills on time. You try to love people. And then you find out, man, you know, something was wrong. How did this happen to me, God? How is it that this tragedy happened in my family and the folks down the street, they never go to church. They don't even pray. They have no concern about you. And here I am in the church, praising God every week, reading my Bible and believing you, God. And, 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 and here trouble comes to me. That's why Jesus says that uh, in this life you have trouble, but be of good cheer, for he will overcome. What God wants you to know is that even though you fail, you still win. Did y'all hear that? In failure, you are still a winner. I'm put it to you this way. The Los Angeles Lakers, for an example, y'all know I like sports. The Lakers won the championship last year. And all we talk about is the Lakers won the championship. But if you look at their record, did they win all their games? No, they didn't win all their games. In fact, they lost about 30 games. But somehow we don't talk about that. But if you were to ask them, they would tell you that those losses that we had, that helped to make us a better team in order that we might achieve the ultimate goal, which was to win that O'Brien trophy or whatever the NBA trophy is. Take the Dallas Cowboys when they won the Super Bowl back in the day. They lost a couple of games. They didn't lose too many. They lost one or two. But, you know, when they hoist up that trophy, nobody really cares. Nobody talk about, you remember all the games you lost during the year? It's like, because that was never the goal anyway. Because, you see, they, it was always about the Super Bowl. You know, with God, is, see, with God, it's always about eternity. I want you to see this. It's always about eternity. So God knows that you're going you're gonna to drop some, you're going you're gonna to win some, you're going to lose some. But, but how many know there are no wasted moments in God? Everything that you go through in your life, God is not surprised and God is going to use that. Somehow, the Bible says, all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Well, how can that be, God? I don't know, but I think him it is. 
I thank him that everything in my life, God said, everything in my life, if you love God, how many say I love God? God said, I'm going to turn it for your good. It doesn't matter what it is you've gone through. It doesn't matter what trial. It doesn't matter what the situation is. God said, here's what I'm going to do. Ultimately, this thing is for your good. And sometimes failure is for your good. Oh, I'm going to take you deep this morning. But I'm going to pull you back up. We ain't going to just leave you in the deep. We're going to pull you back up. But sometimes failure, God uses that. You see, look at the, uh, if you will, I think you have the scripture there. But, but in, in uh, Proverbs 24, verse 16, it says this. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. It says, for a righteous man falls seven times. So here's, here's what that scripture is saying. Let's do a translation here, if you will. He's saying, number one, he's saying failure is in, inevitable, but it's not final. Because he says a righteous man falls. So expect that there are going to be times that you're going to blow it. And for some of you, I don't have to tell you I've blown it. You already know. Yeah, I've already done that past. I, I did that. I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But he says a righteous man falls seven times. Now, when he says seven times, he's not just, you know, you remember Peter said, you know, when Peter was trying to get out of forgiving his brother. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times. And Jesus said, no, 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 70 times 7. And he wasn't trying to do the absolute numerical thing. He was basically saying that you forgive your brother every single time your brother comes to you and wants forgiveness. It's the same thing here, same kind of language. He said the righteous fall seven times. It ain't just seven times. I mean, no, the righteous fall more than seven times. <laughs> if you're really honest, you've fallen a whole lot more than seven times. That's just a way of saying that the righteous are going to fall, but, but guess what? But he's going to rise. Again. <laughs> so he said, failure is inevitable. He said, you're going to fall and you're going to fall probably more than once. And you have. But then he says, watch this. But the righteous, they get right back up. Now, why would he say that? Because God expects us. Because, first of all, if you know, first of all, that God is. He is the captain of your life. He's guiding your life. He's leading your life. So think about it. Everything that happens in your life, God already foreknew it. And he's already declared you a winner. If you don't know that you're a winner, you need to flip the book to Revelation. Look in the Bible and you will see that you're, you're there. If you don't know that you're a winner, you have already won. The battle is already yours. So, but he said, the righteous fall and they get right back up. It's never God's intention that when we fail that we stay down. No Christian without, listen, if you, if you fail, even your failures are God used for, to bless you. How many of you would say you've learned some things from your failures? How many say your failures has taught you a whole lot of stuff? See, in other words, God sometimes, watch this, God sometimes will allow you to fail, watch this now, in order to take you to the next level. I want you to think about that for a moment. God was God. Know, he knows what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. Does he not? Can he change it on, in a minute? I mean, he spoke the world into existence, right? I mean, he, I mean, he is God almighty. We believe that. And if God so choose, he could take this situation and turn it around quickly. But a lot of times God let us go through stuff. I believe God sometimes allow us to go through stuff because a lot of us say, I want the blessing. I want the blessing. How many of you want the blessing? 
But, you know, sometimes you got to go through some stuff to get the blessing. And some of the stuff you got to go through is God working some stuff out of you. Because God is not just about you. We always say that the blessing that God brings in your life is not just about you. It's about a whole bunch of other people. And God is working in their lives. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number eight again. Verses one and three. Verses one through three. Deuteronomy chapter number eight. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. From the word of the Lord. Because every time I read this, it just it baffles me. But he says, watch this, verse number one, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Watch this. And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Watch this. And listen to this. To humble you. Now, first of all, how many years did he lead him in the wilderness? 40 years. And watch this. To humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So watch this. Look at verse number three. So what did he do? He humbled you and he allowed you to go hungry. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding me? Is that really in the Bible? Do do y'all see that? He said, so he humbled you and he allowed you to go hungry. You mean, God, when my kids were sitting there crying for food, can we make it personal? Well, you know, God, when I, had to, when I had to go through this problem, when I had to go through bankruptcy and, oh, God, when I had to deal with this issue with, with my family and, and, God, you knew I had a need. You mean to tell me you knew it and you let it happen? <laughs> he said, to, now, I'm sure when the children of Israel were walking through that wilderness, I, 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 I'm there. you know how we always say, boy, if that was me. I'd have been more holy. No, you wouldn't have because you're going through it now. You know, we say, boy, if that was me, if I would have saw that river part like that, boy, I would just I would just be in complete obedience to God. Not really. Because, I mean, God has shown you, God has already shown you some marvelous things. And are you completely obedient to God? No. Do you still find that you don't trust God? You still struggling with, I I don't know if I'm going to believe him. I imagine that those folks out there, they were like, man, you know, you know, God, they're walking 40 years. I mean, babies crying, probably don't have much, many resources. They're out in the wilderness, probably hot out there. The gnats are getting to them. The mosquitoes are biting them. You know, they're thirsty because there was a couple of times they were thirsty, you know. In fact, they got mad at Moses and said, look, we've been out here. There's no thirst and there's no food. What's up with you, Moses? Did you bring us out here to kill us? But, but, but God said, that I let you go hungry. I let you go through all that. Well, why in the world would God let me go through all that? Watch this. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger. And he fed you with manner which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know. Watch this. That man does not live by bread alone, but man, man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Oh, isn't that deep? So, so what God is saying is God is going to bring you to a place where you depend on nothing else but him. Because in our natural minds, we really don't. It's always the biggest struggle that we have. It's a, it's a challenge because you are taught from birth. Take control of your destiny. I'm the man. I'm the woman. I can do this. And God come along and said, no, I want want you to trust me now. And so what did God do? God bring you to a point where you got to cry out to him. I believe the reason why, can I be honest? 
I believe the reason why sometimes people struggle with praying and reading their Bible and all that is because they haven't quite come to a point yet where they really need him, at least in their minds. Because you think you can pull it off by yourself. That's why you struggle a little bit. Because in your own mind, I, you know, I, I'll go to God. And that's why when people have trouble, boy, it ain't not a lot of trouble to get people to run to God when there's trouble. But I don't want to be living my life as a believer running to God only when I have problems. I mean, you mean to tell me that, God, the only time I'm going to seek your face, the only time I'm going to pray. God is saying, listen, if you want wisdom, come to me. Keep, listen, keep seeking my face. Seek me when it's good. The Bible says in Psalm 34, we read this morning, I will bless the Lord at all times, at all times, from the rising of the sun to when it goes down. His name is to be worshipped. So there's never a time when we shouldn't be worshiping God and trusting in him because he was saying to the children of Israel, watch this. He was saying, I know I'm taking you to your land of promise. Okay, I got a promise for you. I promise I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a lot of houses. I'm going to give you a resource. I'm going to bless you real good. But in order for you to get this blessing, you're going to have to struggle a little bit. You're going to lose some battles. How many know they lost some wars? They lost some fight along the way. But God allowed them to lose some of those fights because he was teaching them something in the process. So, again, it goes back to where it says that that he calls all things to work together for good. It's like God just take all of our mess. How many of you say I got some mess? <laughs> God takes our mess, right? And somehow he's able to make something beautiful out of it. He take your rotten attitude. <laughs> you right? He takes your, your bad temper. He takes all your weaknesses and your deficiencies and somehow he's able to conform it and make it work. I don't know how he does it. But I thank him for it. I bless him for it. And, 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 and so understand. And so, so God says, sometimes God, God will see you falling. Know, and, watch, and he'll watch you fall. I just mess with some of y'all theology. I asked y'all at the beginning, have you failed? Everybody said, yeah. Could God stop it? Uh-huh. Or why didn't he? Here's the point of the whole matter. See, what we deem victory, God thinks something else. See, God sees you here, but there's a journey between where you are and getting to this point. And in order for you to thrive in your land of promise, in the place of blessing, you got to be equipped so that when you get there, you can thrive there. And he was saying, listen, I want to bless you, take you to your land of promise, but you're going to have to go through some stuff because y'all got a lot of issues. And, and, and you know, you, you're stubborn, you're stiff-necked, you don't want to listen to me, and you're trusting in yourself, so I'm going to let you go through some things. Because there are things, the Bible says our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That's a real neat way of saying that you crazy. You don't even know how messed up you are. We measure ourselves by ourselves, which the scripture says we shouldn't do anyway. And we look at the next person beside us and we say, well, thank God I ain't like that. And because I'm a little bit better, you know, why I'm a little bit because I ain't doing that and ain't doing this. And that's how we do. And we just got like, you know, I ain't got, got, you know, I, I ain't none of that. 
But boy, there's some other things that you got going on. <laughs> if you look at God's standards, it's completely different than man's standard. And, and, and what God is saying, we got to elevate our way of thinking about victory. Now, we said before, you already win. Ultimately, you know that you are a winner. Say, look at the neighbor and say, you win. You win. You already won. Are you going to lose a couple battles here? Now? Yes, you are. But ultimately, you know it's going to work for your good. So when things don't go your way, when things shift, don't get all down on God and say, oh, God, oh, it's over. No, don't do that. You need to pick up your head and go to the next level. Because God is working in your life. It's he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is saying what I started, I'm going to finish. Now, what you think is, I know how we're supposed to finish. You don't. I get a kick out of these people who say, God told me, God told me, I know that. You don't. I had one pastor tell me one time, said, God said, we're going to have the whole shopping center. The whole shopping center is no more. It's gone. And he's gone. You don't know. I mean, you, you try your best, right? I mean, you, you go and you pray and you ask God and you do all the, the spiritual stuff and you think that, okay, I think I got it right this time. I think I got it right. But I mean, no, how many of you have ever missed God? I mean, you prayed and you say, I know God told me this. And then you're really serious, but I know God told God, God spoke to me. And whenever somebody tell me God spoke to them, use it with me, I just go like, okay. I step back because ain't nothing else I can say. He just told me to shut up. <laughs> That's it. So if you come talk to me, you say, well, God told me. I say, okay. So I just put my, I don't say nothing because you say God, and I can't convince you that God didn't tell you, and I ain't going to try to. That's between you and God. <laughs> But look at Philippians. Look at Philippians, if you will, chapter 3. And then we're going to... Philippians chapter number 3. So you, so you understand something. So what God is saying is, watch this, that failure is part of the process by which he equips you for your destiny. Every one of you have a purpose. You have an anointing. You have a calling by God. And so God will allow you to go through certain things in order for him to prepare you for what you're going to be doing ultimately. See, it's all about that. Now, watch this. And we're going to show you that here in a second. But, but here's an important. I, I tried to get away from the script. I said, Lord, it don't fit. I don't really want to put this in here. But, you know, he said I, I needed to, to read this verse. Look at this. Now, how many of you know that the Apostle Paul was a mighty man of God? Uh, Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. I think somewhere about a third of it, if I'm correct. And I'm not good at math. But, but, but look at Philippians chapter number 3, I believe, verses 12 through 14. Now, this is the Paul talking. Watch this. I love this. He says, now, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. How many of you say I've already arrived? If you do, don't raise your hands. But he, well, watch what he says. But he says, not that I've already attained or am already perfect or mature or have arrived, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also have laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now watch what he says. There's one thing he do. Now this is, this is deep. He says, I forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those, to those things which are ahead. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. Paul said, look, I have messed up. I used to be one of those guys that persecuted Christians, right? Uh, I made life miserable for other believers. I was one of them. 
But Paul said that in all of my deficiencies and in all of my weaknesses, and I got many of them, he said, here's what I've learned, that in order, if in order for me to keep the momentum of God building in my life, I can't be jacked up and over-concerned about what happened in the past. How many know you can't change what happened back there? And if you stay stuck in there, you know, you know I know somebody today who, who, have, who lost their husband. The tragic thing, and I'm not making light of that. But that happened 10 years ago. If you talk to them, it just happened yesterday. And because of that, they can't move forward. They're stuck. Every time I see them, all I see is a big stop sign. A big red stop sign because they haven't been. Paul says, listen, one thing I got, I know I got to do. He says, I'm not perfect. I got my issues. But here's one thing I know I got to do. I got to forget what I did. I got to forget the stuff, the choices I made. I got to forget what happened back there because there's something else that God has for me here. And in order for me to get what's over here, I got to put that behind me. I can't change that. I can learn from that. I can grow from that. I can get insight and wisdom from that, but I can't keep stuck about, oh, some of us, we're just stuck. We just keep talking about what happened back then. Oh, if I would have just did this, things would be different. Well, they might be, but they ain't. So you just need to forget it. Look at the neighbor and say, forget about it. You can't go back and change it anyway, right? So Paul was saying, look, this one thing, this is important because what we're talking about is failure. Because there'll be some things in your life that, 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 that may not shape out the way you want. you got to be able to look at it and say, watch this. you got to be able to look at that thing and, and, and say, you know what? Uh, uh, it is what it is, but obviously God got something better for me. And this thing is going to work in my favor. you got to believe that somehow, some way, it's going to work in favor. So even your failures are not failures. I like to call them temporary setbacks. <laughs> I, like, it, I didn't fail in nothing. I'm just, just a little setback. I get over this because I, I know I'm a winner. I know God is with me. Uh, I know I'm not perfect, but that's okay. He ain't never used nobody perfect anyway. Long, I mean, the Bible, I read it, you read it. I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. But the whole point of it is, is I want you to see that your failures and your weaknesses are all part of the process that God used to take you to the next level. So w- listen, so when something happens, you're like, don't just look at it and say, oh, gosh, it's over. No, it doesn't mean nothing is over. You just need to keep your head up and keep pressing into what God has for you. Now, let's go to Peter. Watch this. This is Matthew chapter six. Now, watch this. Now, the, the Peter, watch Peter, Peter. Peter was one of those brothers that was rambunctious, right? I mean, you doing this study on Peter. Peter was always the one to say, I'll do it. He was the one that always had a quick mouth. <laughs> he was always the one that would say what he would never do. Right? What did Peter say? Well, first of all, the Lord said to Peter, the Lord said, uh, said, this night, said, you know, what's going to happen? They're going to come and arrest me, and a lot of y'all are going to stumble, and y'all are going to run away from me. Peter said, uh-uh, no, 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 not me. Uh, they might, but no, I... <laughs> Ain't gonna happen with me, cause I'm different, you know. I'm anointed, so you know it ain't gonna happen to me. And so Peter have a classic moment. All of a sudden, how I many know it's one thing to talk a game, but it's different when you're in something. Cause I believe Peter was sincere. You know, you know, people. You ever notice how people try to counsel you in your problems, <laughs> and they ain't never even sniff anything remotely close to what you're going through. But here you are trying to educate me. And I'm looking at you like, what you been through? 
what you going through? You can't, you know, you're talking with all this, comfort, all this. And it, it irks me. You, know, you get these people with Bible knowledge coming right out of the seminary. You know, and they ain't live nothing. Come on. You know, they ain't live nothing. And, and so, so, so this brother, he did not, he didn't just deny the Lord. He just didn't. The Bible says, first of all, how many of you would say that you ever denied Jesus? Have you ever did a sin that bad where you actually, I'm talking about since you got saved. I ain't talking about <laughs> since you got saved. I mean, have you found yourself saying, I don't know him. I don't know him. Have you ever done that? Right. You look at me like you're crazy. Ain't I? I ain't going to do nothing like that. You don't know what you do if you were in Peter's situation. Boy, we <laughs> like you said, you don't even know yourself. Not really. The best. I, you know, what I say I, I never say I don't ever say what I know I'm going to do. Because I lived this Christian life long enough to know that I can hope and pray that God will give me grace in that moment to do the right thing. I mean, no, that's humility. But I never get, you don't ever want to get to a point where you say, ain't no way that I will ever do that. Some of you, when I say deny Jesus, some of you look at it, you're crazy. You don't know what you'll do. But let's just say that none of us have did anything that quite that bad. How many say that that's probably bad? But Peter didn't just deny the Lord. The Bible says he cursed and swear. In other words, he started using a little profanity to drive home the point. I can imagine what he said in modern day language, but we can't do it because we're in the church. We're supposed to be holy, so we're going to keep it holy. But this brother, Peter, got, he denied the Lord so strong, he said, I don't bleep, bleep, bleep the man. Don't know him. Never seen him. Never. They said, no, no, wait a minute, Peter. You got a country accent. You from there. You from South Carolina. You, you from there. You know, you look at look at the way you talk. You from Alabama. I can't even, I can't even do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, your accent, your country accent. But Peter, Peter flat out denied. And let me tell you what Peter was dealing with. A little bit of pride. Now, how many know that Jesus already knew that Peter had a pride issue? See, I'm going to bring this thing back around for you in a second. Watch it. Jesus already knew that Peter had issues with pride. But Jesus also knew that he had the makings to be a strong leader, too, because he was willing to take risks. See, strong leaders always are willing to take risks. Calculated risks, right? You know, you got to be wise about it. But if you're a strong leader and you're a strong believer, you're willing to take some risk for God. Paul said, I'm willing to be a fool for Jesus. Say, I'll be, I'll look, I'll have you call me crazy for Jesus. It don't matter with me. So, so Peter was prideful. Look at, the, look at Luke chapter. You got Luke chapter 18? You might have Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. Look at this. And he also spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. Well, pastor, I don't trust in myself. Okay. That they, were, that they were righteous and despised others. Watch this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you. Watch what he says. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Now, you might say, well, I will never say that out loud, but I bet we think it sometimes. We see certain people that are not on our level or whatever that means. <laughs> the Pharisee, watch this. He said, watch this. I fast twice a week. So now he's really getting deep. 
He's talking about all the stuff that he did, right? He said, I fast twice a week. I give, I t- I'm a tither. I'm a tither. Watch this. He said, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest or his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a what? Sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So so, so you you, you see, Peter was dealing with this little bit of pride. And so Jesus knew that I got to In order for me to take Peter where I need to take Peter, I got to deal with this little thing with Peter. Because Jesus already knew, right, that he was going to fail because he said he gave him a warning. He said, "Uh, y'all going to stumble. And Jesus put that out there. He knew what the reaction was going to be. Peter, of course, jumped up there. And, but look at Matthew. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. You're in Matthew 26. Or you may be already. But look at verse uh, 26, uh, 36 through 41. Look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, 36 and 41. Now watch this. Now, how many know God will give you warnings a lot of times in order to protect you? And if God ever give you a warning, now, God, gave Peter a warning. He told Peter what you will need to be doing, Peter, because you're going to have a moment of temptation. Watch this. I think it's first. I say 36. Uh, 36 through 41. All right. Now I need to get there. Then Jesus. Watch this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Watch this. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, listen, with, listen to this very carefully. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Watch this. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so, he, so watch. What, now, what is Jesus telling Peter? He's letting Peter know, Peter, you need to be watching and praying. Because he already said in, his, in another place, Jesus said, he talked to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. The devil is after you. But here's what you need to be doing. You need to be watching and praying. But what did Peter end up doing? Sleeping. I wonder how many believers are sleeping when they should be watching and praying. Because you see, when you watch and pray, it prepares you for what's going to come ahead. So when we say, well, we're going to pray this week, you have a choice. You can say, well, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to continue on with the way things are. Well, maybe God is saying that your prayer this week is going to prepare you for what you're going to have to go through coming up. Because how many know stuff happens? And I believe that one of the things that prayer does, prayer helps prepare us for what's to have. God, God will show you stuff when you pray. Did he not say call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you don't even know about? And so watch this. And, and so, so Peter should have been watching and praying, but he's over there. First of all, he's asleep, and he's over there talking about what he's not going to do. And then when the pressure came, guess what he did? I don't know. Well, I thought he said before, I will never, ever, never deny you, Lord. But I see a correlation here that, pro- that, that Peter 
because he was asleep and not seeking God the way he should have been seeking God. That when the temptation came, he would not prepare for the battle. See, prayer, what prayer does, it prepares us for the things that happen that's, that's coming. God will show you stuff. God will reveal things to you. And he says, Peter, he said, here's the problem, Peter. You, you're willing. There's a lot of us that are willing, right? I mean, we're willing. But how many know we still got to deal with this flesh? I mean, you want to be nice to the person that cut you off on the street. But you have to constantly suppress that flesh, that desire to want to get back at them and say, what are you doing? And there's always, you know, you never know that somebody always jump right in front of you when you got somewhere to go. That they always come right and they drive on in it 495 at 50, 50, not 50 miles an hour. <laughs> and they come right in front. Of, and it's almost like the Lord is saying, I'm going to mess with you today. And why I say the Lord? Because, you know, the Lord wants you to be patient, right? You're supposed to maintain your godliness even, you know, I, I don't, so I, you know, some, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's hard sometimes. You know, and uh, but 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 watch and pray. And here Peter fails. He fails. Right. He fails. Now, I'm sure that the Bible says that Peter, after he did what he did, he denied Jesus, that he cried bitterly. In other words, he didn't just cry. This brother cried and cried and cried and cried. You know what kind of cry he was crying? He was crying one of those kind of cries that says God can't use me no more. I'm done. It's over. Those tears. I mean, how many of you ever cried so much you cried yourself to sleep? I mean, you just been in so much pain, so much anguish that you didn't know what else to do. You just cried. Peter was at this. Peter was at this point. Where I'm sure he was thinking, Lord, how, how could I? How many of you have ever done something you've been disappointed in yourself? How could I be so stupid? I just need to slam my head up against a wall. What's wrong with me? Bring it home. Let's be real. Let's be real, right? I mean, you're thinking, you know, how could I have done it? Peter was thinking, how could I have been so stupid? I mean, I mean, because he, he said, Lord, I will never deny you. Don't you know he meant it? He really did mean it. But the brother won't prepared for the challenge that was coming. And when 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 he denied Jesus, scripture said that he was he wept bitterly. He was torn up about this thing. And perhaps the dream that I had to becoming great in the kingdom of God, perhaps at this point it's probably over. There ain't no, ain't no help for me because I, I didn't, I mean, I did real, I done messed up. I mean, I've ever messed up. It's like I done messed up this time. I really, you know, my kids are like that. They, they know when they mess up, but boy, when, you know, when they really mess up, my daughter the other day, God. I'm, I'm upstairs and I hear this big crash. And, you know, and one thing they know I don't like is holes in my wall. And I hear this big kaboom, the door is off the hinges. And I'm like, whoo, and all I can hear, everybody say, oh, everybody running upstairs, boom, 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 boom. You people running upstairs, running through the house, because they know, because I'm like, what's that noise? And I go down there, and they just standing there scratching their head, like, and everybody like, oh, oh, you done messed up now. That's how it is sometimes with God, you know, it's like, you know, Peter's like, this is it. I didn't really, I didn't messed up some kind of bad that I have denied Jesus Christ. What's wor- what worse can I possibly do? I mean, obviously, I'm not fit for the job. I'm not God's man. He can't use me. After what I just did, no, no way God can use me. Oh, but I got good news. Look at John chapter 21. Oh, look at John. How many times did Peter deny Jesus for you Bible scholars out there? 
Three times. All right. Do you, you do believe that Jesus probably knew that Peter was going to deny him, right? Okay. So Jesus already knew that he was probably going to have a moment, a weak moment. Like he knows that you're going to have a weak moment. Like he knows that some things are going to happen in your life. But look at John chapter 21. Are you there? You can say amen. You guys look like you, you, you're beating me there. You're on fire. Hallelujah. Look at John chapter, chapter 21, verse 15. We're starting verse 15. So when, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and I want you to follow me here. Now stay with me. He says, son, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? All right. Now why? Jesus having a conversation with Peter. All right. Now, this is after the resurrection and all of that. So now there's a conversation. So he's, he comes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And, you know, Peter will always at first, you ask Peter that question, he'd be like, Lord, you know, I'm your boy. I love you more than everybody else. I mean, he would have been just, I mean, he, you know how Peter was. <laughs> I ain't gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall. I mean, I'm the guy. But watch his attitude. Watch, look at this shift. See, everybody say preparation. All right, watch this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. (laughs) You know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time. Now, is Jesus hard of hearing? He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. Well, he said to him the third time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Now he's hurting because he's bothered because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. In other words, Lord, I don't know no more. I'm not really sure what I got here. He said, you know that I love you. He said, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. We're closing. Here's the interesting thing about that. Three times did Peter deny Jesus. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? And what Jesus was essentially saying is, you know, Peter, for every time you denied me, I covered you. I took care of you. I bless you. I knew that you would deny me under pressure. I knew it. But see, because I needed you to see, Peter, that you're not the man you think you are just yet. You still need me, Peter. It is by my grace that you're going to be sustained in what you're going through. And this challenge that you were dealing with, Peter, you couldn't do this. You see, Peter, you couldn't do this in your own strength. You needed me. So for three times, Peter denied. Three times, Jesus says, do you love me? And and, and watch this. And here's the thing. Here's another interesting thing about this passage. Jesus never, ever goes back. He don't even have a conversation. There's no evidence. Read the scripture that he ever had a conversation with Peter about that moment. Amen. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Remember when he left and he went and spent all this money and, and just you know, doing all kind of crazy stuff. And he comes back to his father. His father says, dress him up, put on a nice robe, hook him up. He never says anything. The father never goes to the son and says, son, now let's sit down and talk about all the details of what you did. Can you please tell me? The spirit of God is always moving forward. You remember Elijah stuck in the cave when he was in the cave all depressed? God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? You got work to do, man. You need to go to know some people. Get up. God always think moving forward because it's all a part of the process. And so God made Peter. Now, if you want to know what kind of man Peter was, Peter was the leader of the apostles. And Peter, in I believe Acts chapter 2, 
preached one of the best sermons, and the 3,000 people got saved because he was preaching the gospel. But guess what? God saw him an anointed apostle, but first he had to let him go through some stuff in order to get him where he needed to be. And so his failures and all that, that wasn't an accident. God, listen, that was all by strategic design because God said, I'm going to take this. Because and so here's, here's the other thing you got to know. Sometimes where you're going, you don't always know exactly where it is you're going, but here's what you need to understand. When we say that Jesus is master, do we really know what that means? Because if Jesus is master, then that means the master tells you where to go. He tells you what to do. And he leads you to where he wants you to go. And that's why we're always as believers asking God, Lord, is it your will? Is this what you want me to do? God, what do you want? If you're a wise believer, you're always asking God, what do you want? Because God will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes he has to switch those desires up a little bit. (laughs) Sometimes he'll do that. Because I believe that when God does something often bigger than what we could ever think or imagine, if he's in it, it's bigger than us. And so what was the whole point of all of this? It's very, very simple. You're going to have moments. You're going to have setbacks. And when you're building momentum in your life and you have a little fallback, it, listen, don't stay there and talk about, oh, God, I, I done blew it. It's over. And it's not nothing. It's over. You just need to get up. Well, you don't know what I did last night, Pastor. You have no idea what I did yesterday. I know I don't. But I know he says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse you. So every time you fall, dust off your knees, get back up and get in the fight. Keep going. Keep going. Well, well I, I don't know. I failed, I failed 20 times this week. Then 20 times get up. Just keep going. Just keep going. Well, I mean, what else is left for you to do? Quit? Did God call you to be a quitter? I, somewhere I read, he says you're more than a conqueror. That's what he said, right? So I win either way. I know I got the victory because he said I got the victory. And I may have a little setback, but that's all it is. But, you know, when I fall, I get right back up. I'm not going to stay here and wallow in nothing. I got a work to do. Jesus told Peter, Peter, um, listen, there's no conversation about all that you did. You need to get up and feed my sheep. I got people that need you. Get going, son. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, do you want to have a conversation? I mean, you know, what, don't, I know, don't you really want to ask about what? I mean, let me explain to you what happened at that moment. Now, he don't want to hear it. He don't even entertain what Peter did. But God is in control of your life. And so understand that if you find a moment that something maybe is not the way you want it to be, God could be doing a number of things. But you know you're going to (laughs) win. You just got to believe, I'm going to win this thing. Because he says, I work all things out together for your good. And if he says that, I, gotta, I believe that, and I'm going to stand firm on that. Amen? So how many of you received that word this morning? Amen. Let's pray.